Secrets are like water when it comes to bridges. This is Legendary Adventures Podcast. This week in Link's Awakening, we're going catfishing in more ways than one. After exiting Angler's Tunnel, the owl appears and tells Link to dive into Martha's Bay. The bay is west of Animal Village, but we can complete a few more steps of the required Straw Millionaire quest while rounding up a few extras. So let me walk you through some of the things I tackled before heading to the dungeon. First, just west of Angler's Tunnel is a second cave with bas-relief carvings of fish on the outside. Inside, players will find a sunfish named Monbo. He asks Link if he has an ocarina. Since I did at this point, I was able to say yes. Mambo then teaches Link a new song, Mambo's Mambo. The song is a second fast travel option. In the Game Boy versions of the game, the song only transports Link to Mambo's pond right outside Crazy Tracy's shop. In the Switch remake, the fast travel options are combined into one single system, and Link is able to travel between any of the game's fast travel points with the song. Mambo's Mambo can also be played inside dungeons to warp to the entrance. As Link approaches Canalit Castle, a distressed but friendly ghost appears. I seem to recall the ghost appearing in this area in my last couple of playthroughs. I don't know if it's specifically tied to this location, or if it will simply appear anywhere on the map following English Tunnel. The ghost then asks to be taken to its home. On the southern end of the map, west of Martha's Bay, east of Tarambos Shores, there is an abandoned house. This is the ghost's home. Inside, the ghost expresses nostalgia and sadness at being there. It then asks Link to be taken to its grave. West of the witch's hut, there stands a single grave. This is the ghost's grave. It then tells Link to look for a jar inside its home. Back at the house, Link can find a secret seashell under one of the jars inside. Nice! In the Switch remake, the ghost instead gifts Link a fairy bottle. These bottles were added to the Switch remake. They work similarly to the bottles in A Link to the Past. Players can capture fairies and store them inside. They can then release the fairy at any time to restore hearts. The bottles are optional, and they make the game easier if you collect them. One bottle is found at the bottom of the fishing hole. A third is acquired through Dompe's Chamber Dungeon Challenges. Now it's time for a little catfishing. Inside a small home in Animal Village, we find Christine the goat. She'll normally brush Link off for not having any flowers, but we now have a hibiscus. She takes it from Link and asks him to deliver a letter to Mr. Wright for her. Mr. Wright lives to the northwest of the mysterious forest. He's another cameo appearance here in Link's Awakening. Mr. Wright first appeared in the Super Nintendo port of Sim City, and he'll become a recurring character in the Zelda series. Mr. Wright is apparently carrying out a relationship with Christine by mail. She shows us a picture she sent him. It's supposed to be of herself. But we see it's actually a photo of Princess Peach from the Mario games. I find this super amusing, how this part of the Straw Millionaire quest is available at this point, just before reaching Catfish's Ma. We're helping Christine catfish Mr. Wright. It's absolutely not intended by the developers. The term catfish for someone who assumes a false identity wasn't coined until the release of the 2010 documentary of the same name, but it's great anyway. For delivering the letter, Mr. Wright gives Link a broom. By this point, players should be familiar with Ulrira's wife. She stands outside their home, 
constantly sweeping. She's recognized for greeting Link with an exclamation of Yahoo or Yippee, depending on the version of the game you're playing. It's Yahoo in the Game Boy versions and the Switch remake, but for some reason, Yippee was swapped in for the Virtual Console release. The Game Boy Online version has switched it back to Yahoo. She has worn her broom away and happily takes the broom that Link just got in exchange for a fishing hook. In the shop in May Village, there is a bow for sale. It costs 980 rupees, making it a big investment indeed. While playing through the Switch version, I took the time to buy the bow right here. I went without the bow on my DX playthrough. The way you play through the dungeon will change slightly depending on whether or not you have the bow. Now it's on to Martha's Bay. There we'll meet a mermaid. She tells us that she lost her necklace and offers to give Link a scale from her tail if he can find it. On the eastern edge of Martha's Bay, there's a small island with an owl statue on it. It can be reached by traveling south and then west on land near Animal Village. The owl statue offers this hint. Secrets are like water when it comes to bridges. This is the hint players need to go back into the water and then to dive under the bridge they just crossed over. Under the bridge is presented in a side-on view. Players will find a fisherman. He'll ask Link for the fishing hook, and he'll offer Link whatever his next catch is in order to get it. The next catch is the mermaid's necklace, and true to her word, the mermaid gives Link a scale in exchange for the necklace. Now it's on to the dungeon. It's a large catfish-shaped building surrounded by stones in the center of Martha's Bay. If players dive near the southeast corner of stones, they can swim through a side-scrolling area to reach the dungeon in the middle. The catfish's mouth is the entrance to the dungeon. The music is dramatic with deep bass notes punctuated by high notes. It sounds ominous. Despite the obvious difference in instrumentation between the Game Boy versions and the Switch, I'd say there's no major shift in tone here. I have to admit I'm not sure what this dungeon is supposed to be shaped like. I think in general the shape of Dungeons and Link's Awakening is pretty clear. Here, however, I just couldn't see what it was supposed to be. One thing I can say is that it does not resemble a catfish no matter how much you squint at it. The Zelda wiki suggests the dungeon is supposed to be shaped like the dungeon boss, Slime Eel. I can see more of an eel shape, so that's likely an accurate assessment, especially because Tell Cave was in the shape of a Baldorm, and Key Cavern and English Tunnel both had exterior decorations that resembled the dungeon boss. Catfish's maw may be at the center of a bay, but it is not a water dungeon. In terms of appearance, the dungeon does have a beachy, sandy floor, and it's not completely dry. There is some shallow water in a number of rooms, and one room features a deep pool that players must dive into. But still, the theme here is not water or beach, but mini-bosses. Catfish's Maw is a more complex dungeon than any we've seen so far in the game. Players will have to backtrack, and they can potentially take the wrong path. And when they do, they'll be able to travel for a while before being forced to turn back around. The main focus of the dungeon is a repeated boss fight with a mini-boss known as Master Stalfos. As the name implies, it is a giant Stalfos. Like the large Stalfos enemies seen in the Ice Palace in A Link to the Past, players must hit Master Stalfos to make him collapse, and then use a bomb to damage him. In the first three fights, Master Stalfos will run after taking a few hits. Players chase Master Stalfos through the dungeon in order to acquire the dungeon item, the Hookshot. 
Each arena where players can encounter him is rectangular in shape and features a skull shape on the floor. Players must visit each arena in order, and each arena room is marked. In the Game Boy versions, there are blocks in the corners of each room to indicate the number of arena it is. In the Switch version, there are glowing tiles in the skull shape on the floor to indicate the arena order. The first arena is located near the midsection of the dungeon. Players can reach it by traveling west three rooms from the entrance, then three rooms north. The second arena is just two rooms away from the first. From the first arena, players head east one room, then north one room. They'll then reach a room with a formation of five blocks in the center which limit the direction of travel. Players need to head east from this room to reach the second arena. The third and fourth arenas are located on the northern end of the dungeon. To reach the third arena, players head north through a long room, west one room, and then north again one room. While the final arena is located in the northern part of the dungeon, it's reached through the southern end. That means players need to backtrack after the third fight. If you use Mambo's Mambo to return to the dungeon entrance, you can travel four rooms to the west to access a staircase leading to a side-scrolling area. Getting to the other end of the side-scrolling area will take players to the northern section of the dungeon with the fourth arena. After defeating Master Stalfos a fourth time, players are awarded the hookshot. With the hookshot in hand, the dungeon opens up significantly. There are bridges that can be extended through the use of the hookshot. There are also multiple treasure chests which are only accessible when the hookshot is used. The Nightmare Key is found by diving into a patch of deep water one room north of the first Master Stelfos fight. Players swim through a side-scrolling segment and then use the hookshot to extend a bridge, on the other side of which is the key. There are two paths to reach the Nightmare Door. Players with the bow can head west of the first Master Stelfos arena, and they'll take on a fifth mini-boss fight, this time taking out two Gomas. As with the first game, players have to shoot Goma in the eye. After both Gomas fall, the door opens leading to a staircase and a side-scrolling segment that will lead to the Nightmare Door. Players who don't have the bow or who simply want to avoid the Goma fight can find another staircase east of the Master Stelfos Arena. It will take players to a room that makes the lower jaw of the slime shape in the dungeon. From there, players will travel west four rooms to reach the point where the separate paths come back together. The boss of the dungeon is Slime Eel. It ducks in and out of four holes in the wall, while its tail moves in a circular motion around the center of the room trying to hit Link. Players must use the hookshot to pull it from the wall and then land hits on its weak spot. There's sometimes a fake eel that appears to throw players off. In the Switch remake, the fake eels have black eyes with white pupils. They don't know a way to tell a difference in the Game Boy versions. After Slime Eel falls, it states that Link does not know what kind of island Koholint is, and it dies laughing. It drops a heart container and Link can obtain the fifth instrument, the wind marimba. A voice tells Link there's a secret about the island in the shrine. We'll learn the secret next week. If you haven't already, please subscribe to follow along. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. I'm Paul Riley. Thanks for listening. Thank you.